Hi, my name is Marissa Klein. I'm the founder of Choice Fashion and Media and co-host of the career inspiration podcast, The Dreamcatchers. And I am Jamie Stozer, the other co-host of The Dreamcatchers and the VP of Fashion and Media at Choice Associates. Up next is a special edition of The Dreamcatchers. We've curated our favorite dreamers and doers for an inspirational conversation. Thanks for joining us and hope you enjoy. Guys, I'm about to go live. We are live, I think. Ming, thank you so much. Our friends from A Shared Universe are helping us this morning with um, our sound. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Jamie Stozer, one half of the Dreamcatchers with my sister Marissa, who on my screen is to my right. I don't know where she's showing up on everyone else's. Hi, everybody. Um, Good morning. That's my sister Marissa. So we are the Dreamcatchers. And for those of you that don't know us, we host our um, podcast called The Dreamcatchers and also run a division of our father's staffing firm in New York City. And like most of you and all of us right now, we are in a moment of pause from the traditional model of how we do our business. And as an extension of that, we've started doing some really fun virtual stuff. Marissa and I feel so inspired by what Julio has done I'm going to cry again. So here we go. Um, Over the last several weeks of reinventing himself as somebody that his movie, which I'll let him talk about, was literally just about to start in this crazy film festival, um, you know, uh, down here in New Jersey, we were all going to go. And it was going to be this beginning of a amazing portion of his life. And, and, and now being at home, what he has been able to do both, in creating content for our children, to ourselves, and also now for all of us that went like next level viral, like crazy viral, um, to, it was being shared all over my feed, this article that Julio wrote. So would love, and we've teased it a little bit, Julio, before you join the call, but what I'd love to hear from you, Julio, is to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and who you were, quote unquote, before, um, not to speak in Handmaid's Tale, but who you were before, or the upside down whatever pop or culture the upside down, or whatever uh, entertainment analogy you can go with and <laughs> kind of what you've been doing because obviously as dream catchers marissa and i are obviously so so inspired by you but would love to share from your perspective what you've been doing and and we can then get into a little bit more about how you i also i that. also want to say one thing to bookmark it for the for the for the record the last time Marissa, Jamie, were out together. We were with Julio doing something incredibly special with our friend Tootsie in Williamsburg, Brooklyn on March 7th, which is a lifetime ago. Like a year ago. And we were literally speaking about creativity and intuition, literally. And Mm -hmm. here you were at your pivotal moment and we were with you. Um, you know, and, and we know you in a very specific, special way. And next thing you know, you were able to launch. And, and one of the things that I've been saying on all of our lives is that I don't find, I find so inspiring seeing small business reinvent or doing something different or pivoting to their audience or rising to their occasion or doing what they do in type in life A for life B, whatever this looks like and doing it well. And, 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 and doing it honestly. And your voice has been consistent and clear and although really matches the gentleman that I was so honored to have met 
before and spent time with last year and this year and then a year ago, but a month ago. Um, and now you're doing something, you know, you're extending that and, and joining us today to talk about your pivot or your, your, your life in pause rather than the life we would normally be speaking about. Yeah, totally. so anyway, I just wanted to make sure that I highlighted that because it is incredibly powerful to me. Um, and, you know, you would not necessarily have been at our big event. We would light, although that would have been really remiss on my part, to be honest, looking back over my shoulder. Um, so I'm fortunate that you're here now. I'm sorry it's under this context, but at the same time, I'm brilliantly inspired and, and healed by you and all of what you do and your voice and your article. I wrote you back the minute you wrote it before it went viral and said, whoa, it was like as if you heard all of my internal thoughts and you were able to put it out there, which is, by the way, is not easy to do. But anyway, with that said, go ahead. Now you can speak. <laughs> uh, first of all, thank you. I mean, I'm so touched to hear all of that. And um, I think the both of you have been so kind and so generous and loving whenever we've been around each other that, um, you know, coming on today just made sense. And I appreciate being here. Um, just to give you a little bit of background for, for those I don't know. So I'm a writer director. Um, I, when I graduated college, I, I wanted to, <clears throat> to work in the entertainment business and that was a very long haul. And I spent about uh, 10 years writing theater and performing and being an actor and a writer in New York and in Los Angeles and doing some comedy work and, and, you know, looking back, I can say fully that it just, it wasn't working. Right. And, uh, I used to have this thing sort of when I it was in my late twenties, early thirties, where I learned to trust whatever thoughts I had at 3am. And for me, it was a matter of just thinking so much stuff gets in the way during the day that if somehow I've been woken up at 3 a.m. by my brain, my body, my heart, because I have to pee, whatever it is, like that's probably the only moment I get in the day to really think purely about my life. And, um, and it was just sort of a practice I started when I was in my late 20s and early 30s. There was nothing formal about it. It was just like, all right, take a note here. And, and, uh, and the very long story shortened is that um, when I was 32, uh, I decided to trust that intuition and sort of stop what I was doing and go back to school. And I went back to film school at 32 when I was there for what was supposed to be a three-year program, what was about five years because of uh, making my short film thesis films and things like that. And... Um, and so I'm a filmmaker by trade. I've been trained in media making and all the tools that come along with it. And I started a company in 2017 called Borough 5, which was based in Los Angeles and also in my home borough of Staten Island, uh, to make three movies. That was going to be our first what's called Slate of Projects and make three movies in the next five years. And the first film that we made is called Team Marco, and it's a family movie about a little boy who's obsessed with his iPad and his Italian grandfather drags him out of the house to the bocce court to teach him how to play bocce. And it's all about intergenerational relationships and uh, the value of legacy and the value of our grandparents 
And also, I think the conversation that many parents are having about how much tech is too much tech and how much screen time is too much screen time, which obviously during this moment sort of goes out the window, right? So there's a whole new lens, I think, to see the movie through. And uh, just to catch us up to where we are now, um, the movie was about to sort of, you know, do its great big festival run. And like Jamie said, we, we've been winning a couple of awards and we're sort of gaining momentum. And then this happened. So I, I have no doubt that the movie will be available to the public in the next few months. And we're working on, we're working on it now and we're in touch with distributors. And, but uh, I've been home alone for eight weeks um, I came back from Seattle in at the beginning of March and sort of last time we saw each other was really the last day I had out of the house or with people because uh, I had been in Seattle and obviously when it was starting to happen, I didn't realize that that was a problem. And then as soon as it became clear that that was a problem, I, I hunkered down and quarantined. And, uh, and I've been alone. My boyfriend lives in Los Angeles. I'm here. So, you know, I do a lot of traveling. I'm always on a plane. I'm always moving and in motion. And, uh, and so we had a really hard week a few weeks ago. Uh, not only did my boyfriend lose his mother uh, to non-COVID uh, reasons, uh, but sort of our community on Staten Island and the community that surrounds myself. And my sister is a hairdresser on Staten Island. And so she, ha she knows hundreds of people. We lost five people day after day in our family circle. Uh, an uncle who was found in his home alone and uh, community leaders who were just sort of uh, hospitalized and, and didn't come out. And uh, I think by the end of that week, I had just sort of succumbed to the darkness and laid in bed and was just so overwhelmed by all of it. And in those moments, what I do is I sort of, you know, indulge in the, in the, in the darkness for a little bit and then I get up and write about it. And what I did was I wrote an essay that, and I've written essays, I mean, this is probably my 10th essay. Some of them are political, some of them are about society. Uh, this one was uh, a 2000 word essay about what's going on right now. And I put it on Facebook and it was too long, so I moved it over to medium.com and linked to it. And before I knew it, within 24 hours, it had been shared on Facebook I think at that point, like 15,000 times, and then it got to 20,000 and 25,000. And by Saturday, it had gone viral. And uh, now this is two weeks ago. Uh, by now, it's been uh, seen by 20 million people uh, across the world. Uh, it's been translated into five languages already. I've gotten thousands of messages from all over the world, uh, you know, requests to republish it. Um, it's been a surreal experience. So that's, that's, I would call that a Corona winning moment. <laughs> totally. That's a, that's a hashtag, I think, or we call it Corona lemonade, which by the way, there has been a lot of, um, and, and we shouldn't, I, I don't mean to take the, the name in vain by any means, because we respect that name in all the, all the right fearing ways. But I have said several times that as an intuitive person, the renaissance of art, creativity, and humanity yeah. after this time period will be nothing like any of us in any of our generations have experienced. Um, and I'd say the quintessential, here you are, 
a creator to begin with. In fact, you, you teach about creativity. I mean, to think that you writing something from your heart would be the thing that went propelled into the universe that touched that many people where it didn't matter your race, your ethnicity, your age, um, your social background, your political view, it resonated. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing right now. If you remove all of the noise, our insides all match. Yeah. And and that's, you know, Marissa, that was part of the article, right? For the essay, really, just so if you haven't read it, the, the, the thesis or the point of the essay was that for, you know, we are experiencing the great pause right now. And we have never in our lives had the opportunity for the world to stop. And so many of us joke all the time, like, oh, if I could just have the world stop for a minute, if I could just get off the treadmill, if I could just have a minute to think about my life and how I'm leading it, that's what's happening. And Mm -hmm. it's a horrible, tragic, awful moment in the history of the world, no doubt. But it has given us a once in a lifetime opportunity to see what would happen if the streets were empty and we were at home and all the buzzing and the pinging and the, it all stopped. And I think, you know, what I, what I encourage people in the essay and have been encouraging people to do for the last few weeks when I speak to them is to just use the opportunity to get back in touch with what is true and right for you. And, you know, Marissa, I'm so glad you said the word intuition, because I think the lesson I've learned for sure about my creative work has, has been that when you take away the noise, yeah. I know what I'm doing, man. <laughs> yeah. When you take away the noise, I can sit and write and reach people. But I spend personally so much of my time and energy running a film company, dealing with the accountant, dealing with the taxes, making sure we're reporting correctly, talking to investors. And those are things that to some extent bring me joy, but not necessarily all of those tasks. But this was a moment where I truly got to just be fully alone, fully by myself and fully be me. And the lesson I'm taking forward is that I no longer, frankly, have the patience to pile back on all of the noise and to pile back on um, the people who get in the way, the, 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 the messaging that gets in the way, the spending that gets in the way, the negativity that gets in the way. And I don't think that a lot of that comes maliciously from anybody. Yeah. I just think that, you know, when we talk, when we talk to Maya, we talk about being blocked. I mean, so much of that block is just all everyone else. <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's just the day to day of what you have to yeah. get through in order to make it all work. And I'm very lucky in this moment, which I've never considered myself lucky to not have children yet. I want children. And that's certainly something that will happen in my life at some point. But I think people who are now at home and have to homeschool and have to work from home and have to make this all work, they don't have the privilege, frankly, of sitting at, you know, alone and writing like I do. And so hopefully I'm talking for them and hopefully I'm speaking for them as well. And hopefully, you know, even just a little bit if a little bit of that can help them get back in touch with kind of who they are naturally. I think that's important. I couldn't agree with you more, Julio. I think, you know, as somebody that is balancing all of those things and is living a fairly noisy life, even right now, and always have, you know, at the end of the day, it's still a very 
quiet version of the noise. And I'm trying so hard every day to remind myself of that, that even though it's all so much, um, I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anywhere to be. I don't have to be there at a specific time. So what I was able to do and what we've been sharing with our audience over the last several days of doing these Facebook lives even is those tips and tricks of just having a schedule and trying to. So one of the things that Marissa and I really started to realize in our day jobs was that the thing that gave us so much joy was connecting to people this way, this way right now, but face to face and um, on our podcast and bringing people together. Um, in addition to, of course, putting people to work, which we love to do. Um, and I think what this entire experience has done for me personally, and I think most people, is really not only stripped you down to kind of see the stuff that's blocking you, like Maya just helped us realize, but also stripped you down to realize the stuff that you really want to do and focus yeah. on. And oh, yeah. what makes you tick and why? And so much of our work that Marissa and I do is, is about that anyway. So to be able to actually have this pause yeah. to figure that out has been such a weird and amazing blessing. You know, I had this conversation with my sister the other day because, it, you know, the, the context is, is a long story. But essentially, I said to her, like, this is the moment. If you want to start a business, do it now. Mm-hmm. If you want to start a, a life change, do it now. You're never going to have a bigger or greater opportunity because the truth is, all bets are off. We're all in a financially fucked position at the moment. <laughs> I mean, look, it's the truth of the matter, right? It's like, we're, it's all gone, you know, I'll bring this up because I think it's apropos, and I don't mean to be overly overwrought about it, but when I was 20 years old, my parent, when I was 19, my parents divorced. Mm-hmm. And when I was 19, I came out of the closet. 19 was a good year. 19 was a great year. <laughs> And when I like a Taylor Swift album, (laughs) when I came out of the closet to my mother, she was in the middle of divorcing my father. And she said to me, why are you telling me now? And I said, because I know you're going to have to rebuild anyway. Mm -hmm. And you may as well rebuild knowing everything. And I think that that's true. Now we're going to have to rebuild anyway. So you might as well rebuild the way you want to rebuild. And we're all down in that moment now of trying to figure out how do we rebuild? Why are we going to spend energy rebuilding what wasn't making us happy? No. Let's rebuild the things or build the things that we want to make work. And, you know, for me, it's causing me to question, you know, how much time am I spending on certain projects? How much time am I spending with certain people? How much time am I spending? Where is my money going? Where are my clicks going? Where is my energy going? Who am I? All of these things. I love who I'm dating. It's not about that, but it's about the sort of five years prior, how much time Mm -hmm. I spend with people I didn't want to be with. So, you know, we're all going to approach it really differently and we're all going to, that's going to mean something wildly different for everybody, but uh, taking the time or at least the the opportunity to think about that now, we're just never going to get a a better moment. I agree. You know, we would, we would love to ask you, you know, those traditional questions that we sent you to prep. And as far as, as what, you know, I would love to hear from you is just, what is it that you're doing every day? You know, here you are um, alone in your apartment in New York City. Um, and how are you staying motivated? You know, obviously you had that intuition in the middle of the night. 
Um, I would also love for you to talk us a little bit through your kids trivia show that you started as well, because that's been a real highlight for a lot of us. Um, So wanted to kind of just hear from you. What does a new normal day look like for you? How are you staying inspired? And what made you then start kind of this new normal that you've been starting to do? um, Actually, not all of it, but some of it does revolve around the trivia show. So what I did was when this all first started, um, I have six nieces and nephews, one niece and, and five nephews, and they live in New Jersey and on Staten Island. And we're just used to seeing each other all the time, you know, like in normal times, I see them probably once every two weeks or once a week. Um, and we're used to family dinners. I'm Italian American. We gather around all the time. And so in the very beginning of this, I said, okay, let's, let's do an online show with the kids. And I just sort of started with my nieces and nephews. And then suddenly it became clear that like, oh, like this could be cool for like all of our friends and family. So I did it on Facebook and, uh, and it's grown over the last few, few weeks. Uh, we've, I've done 27 episodes now. It's a, it's a half hour show. You know, I, I, it's, trivia about animals and colors and it's it's uh it's, it's so cute and we love it so much you. but i love it but but i also like it's trivia meets mr rogers because mm-hmm. one of the things that i realized sort of in this moment was you know no matter what your political beliefs are there are not many voices nationally that are talking about integrity and honor and joy and helping each other. And, you know, uh, so I thought, all right, well, yeah, it's trivia, but like, let's wrap it in a cardigan. Yeah. Let's put it in a Mr. Rogers voice. And so it's been really fun and I do it every day. I do it Monday through Friday. And then on Friday nights, I have an adult version and look, I have a full-time job. I'm running a film company. And so I've had to sort of make choices and figure out how do I get this all done? So my average day looks like, you know, I get up at eight or eight, eight o'clock or so. I make sure I'm having coffee at nine and doing my inbox and doing my email. And then every other day I go for a run. I'm about five blocks from Central Park. So I try to get out of the house and just get fresh air for the day. Um, and then I sit down at about 11 and I do whatever work is on my calendar to move the film along, to move our projects forward. Uh, I do that until about four o'clock and then at four o'clock I challenge myself to write the show within an hour. Uh, like, go ahead, go. Like, what are the trivia questions? What are you going to say? Because that's kind of a muscle. And if you can like hone that muscle, you can get it down. And now I'm down to like knocking it out in 45 minutes or so, like getting it ready to go. And then from five to six, I, I shower, I shave, I get ready to go. Um, and then I do the show from six to six thirty, <clears throat> and then every night it's become sort of a ritual now that I then face, or I'm sorry, I then FaceTime my nieces and nephews, or an old friend, or someone I haven't talked to, um, and I cook dinner while I'm talking to them. Now, I, let me put this in context: I haven't cooked dinner in four years. Like, <laughs> I have spent more money in the last four years of my life on eating out because it was convenient and it was fast and someone would bring it to my house. And I took a look back and I did an audit of my finances and I realized I spend thousands of dollars a month ordering in. Chicken breast at the grocery store is $7, you know, so (laughs) I've lost weight and I feel healthier and I'm, you know, look, I don't, 
imagine I will never go to a restaurant again, but it has been really great. And I just moved into a new apartment. So it's been really fun to sort of get to know the kitchen and figure out where stuff goes and is. And so, uh, and then at nine 30, um, I have a, a standing zoom call with all of my closest friends in New York. And five of them are doctors who are on the front lines. And so I'm getting a lot of information from them about what's happening. I'm the only artist in the circle. So I think sometimes it's hard for us to connect uh, on our day to day and figure out like, what do you do all day? What do you do all day? Uh, mm-hmm. And those calls now have been really helpful for us to just stay connected and stay together. And look, some nights like nobody's up for it and other nights everybody's up for it. Uh, but we've been, it's been a, a touch point in my day to make sure that we're all connecting. Um, and then at 10 o'clock I try to go to bed and you know, that probably happens between 10 and 12 and then I do it all over again. So it's weird. It does not my normal schedule at all. That's just not my rhythm. You know, I'm missing things like I take a dance class once a week that I'm really missing. And I, t- you know, there's all sorts of things out in the world that I'm just, used how to- dare Tootsie teach at six. Uh, <laughs> well, I have to tell you, so, so this dance class, which I don't know who knows about it. They all are entire phone call knows about it. Right, Paula, okay, we planned, we planned a, um, an awesome event actually at Bellworks twice last year with Tootsie yeah. that we hope to bring back this summer that Paula loved as well. So she knows Tootsie well. Marissa and I know each other and Tootsie's class is a staple in my week. And, you know, I don't know how many people know this, but, you know, Tootsie in college not only studied dance, but studied psychology. And so Tootsie understands the crossover and the, the interworkings of what exercise and dance and joy and freedom and all of those things under one umbrella can do to your mind. And I truly, truly, uh, you know, Tootsie has been in my life for 20 years now. And that class is church. It's therapy. It's all of the above. So I personally have had a hard time doing it online because of the experience to me feels, uh, feels different, but I know it's been super, super helpful for a lot of people and mm-hmm. it's incredible that she's doing it. And I can't wait to get back in the room with her. And I've been doing a lot of yoga with her, which has been really mm-hmm. fun. Well, we missed, we missed this we morning, missed this but morning, I'm planning on doing it this air. afternoon. Cause it, I wanted to be, I wanted to look, you know, somewhat normal yeah. before Maya did me in. I mean, the great part is you can play it back, right? It's like, it's a video. Yeah, you can watch it anytime. I talk about this all the time. Don't you think um, how incredibly powerful, like when you described your day, right? You know, I'm listening to you and it will be hard to, to um, stay in the light as we all take one day closer to whatever next is supposed to look like. But, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could just do everything effectively and successfully and financially um, yeah. help with, with health, like a healthy financial component, you know, if you slept till eight and you could start your work at a regular time and we could actually just control what actually makes us healthy and well, you know, and I think, I don't think there's a coincidence. I think there was a lot of us, with a lot of really powerful voices that we're getting up every single day and saying in our deepest, darkest souls that we, even when we were happy, were unhappy. Yeah. And my post-it, my, I have my wall of mantras, which I've shared on and off with friends, colleagues, you, and my mantra I wrote for New Year's Day 2020. My New Year's Day mantra, my newest one, all my other ones are like tattered and torn and have like coffee drips on it and I won't take them down because it shows my growth. This one said, 
when it gets noisy, step off the ride, no matter what, without guilt, put your own oxygen mask on first and do what you need to do to quiet your noise. That Mm -hmm. is what I said I wanted to do on the first day of this year, because I get so caught up in other people's noises. My sister's my best friend in the world and my partner. She functions emotionally way different than me. And that affects me. And I'm not able to separate it a lot of the times. My parents, my, my, my husband, my friends, and, I, and I, I can't draw my boundaries. And I wrote this post-it for that reason. And I said it every morning. And I'm sorry, world. I have a very powerful brain. But I think... Melissa, stop. Melissa did this. It's you. I, I made the guy eat the bat. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think, I think. Just drink Lysol, you'll be fine. Yeah, I yeah, If I just drink bleach, we're all good. Um, I think that there's something to be said about that inner dark thought that I know I'm not alone. And that I just, I don't want to do all the things. And I, I look forward to being able to honor what you just said. I want to be able to go into life next. And I will not go back to being the Marissa I was before. I will not. I will be all the Marissas I liked. And I'd like to leave behind the Marissas I didn't. Yeah. And if that unfortunately causes strain for other people as they're renegotiating their versions of themselves, so be it. We didn't stay in our homes for eight weeks for me to be the same girl I was before. I'm so glad you said that because I said this to a friend the other day. It is not possible to come out the other side the same person. Impossible. It's impossible. It's also impossible. Who are we as a country if we come out the other side the same people? I think that speaks so volumes about what this experience has been. And you said two words that really struck a chord with me. One is that, you know, uh, the noise is related to two things, right, that you just said. One is finances. Yes. And one is boundaries. And Mm -hmm. The way that it relates to finances is that so much of the noise we bring into our lives, we bring in because we think it's going to help us financially. Yes. Right now, the opportunity we have here is to look at our budgets. I'm talking like practical, tactical, get down to brass tacks. Look at our budgets, get rid of all the things you don't need. Just get rid of them. I realized I was spending $450 a month on gyms because I was going to Equinox and also going to CrossFit. I don't look any different than I did. Turns out a month of chicken and, and running in the park is even better for me than any of them. <laughs> so that's going to be different for everyone. But totally. the point is, because I have that in my budget, I have to work harder. Because I have to work harder, I have to take on more projects. Because I have to take on more projects, I have more noise. And if you can use this opportunity to really say, I don't need to do that. And trust me, I'm not saying that that's easy. I mean, I want a nice apartment and I want to still have a car and I still want to do all these things. But the truth is that those things cost money. And when the money gets to be to a certain point, you have to work harder, period. Or yes, smarter, it's, it's, or it's more the American way. Any of that. So, you know, I, I use a good friend as an example, and I, and I won't call her out by name, but, you know, she sort of like wants to make sure that the kids have big birthday parties and wants to make sure that they go on vacation every single year. And want, those are very admirable things as a parent. And I'm not a parent, so I cannot judge that. But 
you got to take a good hard look at what is that expenditure going to do to my life? What is that expenditure going to do and who is it going to make me into in order to get it done? So that's really important. I think the other thing that you said that strikes a chord with me, Marissa, is boundaries, right? Like we have eroded boundaries in our country because of social media, because you can get to anyone at any moment, no matter how, how you want that quickly. And we have this expectation that everyone is supposed to be responded to immediately and, and moved on things immediately, that we're supposed to work at 11 o'clock at night if we get an, uh, an email from a client or a boss. That's really hard to put up a boundary against, but we have to start to do it. Yep. And, you know, and I, I don't want to interject there, but we talked about this a little bit this week with a, another guest, and I can't agree with you more. I think if nothing else, though, this experience as a working mother, for example, um, has been such an interesting thing to watch, you know, to be able to say without guilt, it doesn't work for me to talk from nine to 12. I have to focus on the kid's school has been, I mean, granted, my boss, is, my boss is my sister, but my father, who's also our CEO, who's on, I believe is listening you know, it is challenging to be able to voice that. And I've been trying to do that for seven and a half years of being a parent. And I think one of the things that this entire experience has helped us all see is that it is okay to speak up and yeah. to say, that does not work for me. I can do it at this time. And having a little bit more confidence and more wherewithal to voice your boundaries because we have no choice. We have to voice them because we're trying to be 17 things at once, which by the way, we already were doing, but now it's like, yeah. we're just yeah. naked for the world to see. Like I got it all on the table. I have absolutely no other choice, but to be honest. And I think it's been really liberating to watch some of my friends who are challenged with that as women in the workforce, be able to say, I can't do it right now. And yeah. what that's going to look like as a society afterwards, where we have CEOs and, and manager, management on Zoom and being able to create community without being in the office. I mean, one of the things that Marissa and I, we quote this every day since she said it, our dear friend, Sarah Personet, who we interviewed on our podcast at the beginning of it, um, who will be you know joining us hopefully in the next couple of weeks on Facebook Live. She said, nowadays as a manager, she's a very senior level person at Twitter. And she said, at the end of the day, it's about performance, not presence. And it is a very hard thing for most companies to see that. And I think right now, you have no choice but to see it. Yeah. This, this is now stripping everyone down about how we can set those boundaries and how we perform as professionals versus where we are and, you know, if we came into the office or not. And if you go to the office, go to Bellworks. <laughs> Totally. But those boundaries are so important. And those, I mean, I've, I've, I've been a freelancer since I was about 25. So it's been a long time of honing those skills and figuring that out. But sometimes it just comes back down to the words that you use and people not being empowered because they don't know what the words are to use. True. True. How am I supposed to say that to my boss? How am I, like, what can you give me the words to say those things? And I think what you just said is really important and powerful. That doesn't work for me because <laughs> that's not saying. That's what I'm working on. I'm working on that yeah. all year. In fact, that was my January 1st. Yeah. Intuitive. Marissa and I have both now uncovered our January 1st 
intentions for this year, my intention this year was that does not work for me. Yeah. Yes, but yes. And being able to say yes, but say I can do that, but I can't do that till later. It has been my largest professional challenge, personal and professional challenge in 30, 39 years. That's been my hardest thing is to be able to say that doesn't work for me. I can't do it. You know, you and I and Marissa, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are similar in the fact that like you, we're good people. We want to, we want to be helping all the time. We want to be available all the time. We want to get the goal accomplished. But one of the things I had to learn over the course of my freelance career was that I was saying this phrase way too much. Anything you need, let me know. Mm-hmm. That's not true. <laughs> I don't, I don't want you to call me. For anything. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not Please about, don't. so being really mindful of the words. Word choice. Word choice is so important. You have to be using vocabulary and it doesn't mean edit yourself constantly. So you drive yourself crazy, but get used to words like I'm unavailable at that time. Would four o'clock work instead of one? Um, you know, that doesn't work for me, but how can we figure out what works for the both of us? And I would like to be able to spend time on this, but can't put time to it until Absolutely. Actually define, and by the way, this is not just, now granted we are doers. Everybody on this phone call is a doer. Okay. This advice is not just for doers. It's for people that watch doers and, and are inspired by doers. Also creating a boundary, which by the way, is a, a constant struggle and work. It is, I think one of the things I've learned during this time accepting that it is never actually going to be finished. We're always going to be creating boundaries. It's never going to be defined. There are going to be days that are easier than others. There are going to be days where my boundary doesn't match yours and we're going to butt boundaries. You know, there, it, it just is a quintessential. And I have never work. done that. We've never no. butt boundaries. No, we don't butt boundaries. Um, we butt boundaries the other day. But the point is, is, is we are a life in progress, work in progress. And I think, you know, the, there was a very large conversation happening in the professional space. Um, now, granted, we focus on the creative professional space, uh, but there was a, a very large conversation happening about bringing your authentic self to work. My friend, and I call her my friend, Brene Brown, um, she, she started this conversation. A lot of people in very traditional corporate worlds have talked about it. I, because I work in a focused creative world, it's not really that corporate. In fact, although we're all creatives and my clients are all creatives, we have the least amount of structure, which means we don't have all of the bells and whistles and education and the Brene's and all that stuff. In fact, we're working more hours with less reward for as long as I can remember. And we are going to be authentic after this. No if, ands, or buts. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, then, and not to use your word, I should, we should be trademarking your word. Everybody is about to get a true gaslighting about who we all are, right? So, you know, it, it, it is truly going to be magnificent and scary. Um, and I'm really, really thankful for it because guess what? Here's something. I needed it. Yeah. Truth. 
I needed this. I needed this. I'm sorry that we're paying through the nose and I'm sorry that people are suffering for it. And I'm sorry that the world has shifted and paused. And I'm sorry that my kids didn't go to go on spring break. And I feel terrible for everybody that sacrificed, but I needed this time. And I, I, we all needed it. And I think it's important too, Marissa. I, I, I think it's very easy. I won't speak for you, but I'll speak for me. It's very easy for me to say some of these things because I don't have a boss, right? I am my own boss. I run my own companies. I have my own uh, income streams. I get a little bit more control over that than most yep. people. And I'm very grateful for that. I've worked very hard to create it, but I've also, I'm very grateful for it. And, you know, I watch my, my mother who's semi-retired, but answers to someone. I watch my sisters struggle with this. Uh, one of my sisters is struggling with it directly with her boss. Um, you know, it's very easy to feel empowered when you've been empowered enough to run your own company, your own business. And I think part of this process is what we're seeing on an economic level across the country is the value of our workers and the value of everyday people who have to get up and make this economy work. Work. And one of the message I'm about to publish the second essay. I was just going to say, when's the second essay? Uh, I can't wait. I think on Friday. And the second essay, well, the second essay specifically is about how we decipher media and how we look at commercials and messaging. And what are those things that are just tacky? They're not meaning to do you any harm. What are those messages that are specifically manipulative? And what are those messages that are truly gaslighting? Like, like an effort to make you feel a little crazy. So I think it's important for all of us to begin to make that distinction between those three. Mm-hmm. But part of the message of the second essay as well is asking those brands and those companies, what did you do for your workers right now? Don't tell me that you identify with my pain and want me to buy your stuff a month from now. Tell me what you did to make sure that the people who work for you were able to work from home, that the people who work for you had Wi-Fi service so their kids could go to school. The people who work for you had masks. My brother-in-law works for Coca-Cola. The Coca-Cola website says the health of our workers is our top priority. And there's a picture of two workers in masks. It is a lie. My brother-in-law gets up every day at 4 a.m. to make sure he can deliver Coca-Cola products all through Brooklyn. He's been doing it for 20 years. They have not provided masks. They have not provided any sort of PPE for their frontline workers. So I don't mean to throw them under the bus, but in a sense I do because it's a matter of like, Stop lying to us. And, and if we're going to be authentic after this, we have to hold the leaders us mm-hmm. to a new standard of authenticity. We have to hold brands to a new standard of authenticity. We have to hold our political leaders to new standards of authenticity. We have mm-hmm. to get rid of the show of it all. You know, tell me what you're legitimately doing for me. Tell me what this product is going to legitimately do to make my life better and my community better and my kids better. Um, And then maybe I'll consider subscribing again or buying again. Uh, What are you as a leader? If you're a city councilman on the school board or the president of the United States, what are you going to do now to make sure that our lives are led in the 
respectful, gracious, and, in, you know, a meaningful way. You know, I'm hearing you, and I'm hearing this sentence. I'm, I'm hearing you, I'm hearing this sentence of, like, we all need to unsubscribe to resubscribe, right? No. So, you know, I mean, sometimes my Gmail gets, like, I get, like, a sale. Like, I, I literally have gotten a flash sale from, like, every single company, and they're all struggling, and it makes me feel, as someone that focuses on retail, so vulnerable and icky, right? Because you're watching a, you're watching mass destruction unfold, right? And where is your contribution? You know, we're saying out loud, I don't really need yeah. to go to the gym because I can eat chicken and go running. You know, it's like as if I'm 24 again. You realize that if you just simplify, it's better. But at the end, on the end of the day, as we come back to life, we do collectively have to hold ourselves accountable and the brands that we support, the businesses we support accountable. And yes, you're hundred percent right. I do for what it's worth work for myself um, and a family business. And I'm fortunate to do so. And it came, it comes with, with payments through the nose, yeah. through the nose that I now recognize larger than I've ever recognized. In fact, I, I stared right at it on my post-it that I just did with Maya. But I, 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 I will say that the people that are working for organizations that perhaps don't line up like a Twitter or a Bloomberg or a Facebook or companies that are being held accountable, we need to be able to send them light through your words, through our work, so that leaders that have been stripped down and CEOs that have been stripped down of the middle of the road companies are taught that this actually applies to them too. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's the middle of the road worker. It's the, it's the micro influencer of business that really needs to be held to performance is not, is not how many presents, how many days you're present and sick. If you're sick, guess what? Here's a new thing that's going to happen. If you're sick, go home. Actually, don't come. Right. It will be no, no one sending their snot, like snotty run kids to school anymore because they're afraid of their boss. Yeah. You're staying home. You're staying home. Mm -hmm. And this will slow us down. And it's this is going to contract the economy and there are going to be jobs lost. So I do not take lightly saying as a citizen, as a layperson, hey, stop spending your money there and stop spending your money there. Absolutely. There are jobs at stake. Absolutely. There are companies at stake. But I do think that if we start to shift our dollars to brands and companies and, lead, and votes to leaders who care and move that energy over, you're going to create new economies. You're going to create new companies. You're going to create new systems. You're going to create new leaders who, frankly, deserve our support and our votes and our money and our clicks. Um, you know, in my house, and I'm the only one in my house right now, <laughs> But in my house, the expression is all bets are off. All bets are off. Every email I get, we're unsubscribing until I decide actively to resubscribe. Every auto pay on my checking account, canceled until I decide it's valuable again to resubscribe to it. Every, uh, everything that automatically goes in my calendar, gone until I decide that I'm going to put it back into the calendar, all of those things. And, and we can all do that. And it's funny because ever since I published the article, I've been getting emails from all over the world saying, what do I do? I get it. You make sense, but dude, what's next? Julio for president. <laughs> well, 
Oh, sorry. Was that not what you were asking? <laughs> no, but I, I think it's important to it. But I'm glad you said that because it's it's we have to also stop looking at our political leaders like they're going to solve all of our problems. All no, I mean, at the end of the day, regardless of how you feel, regardless yeah. of your political stance, which, by the way, I am actually not a political person. I'm an independent thinker. Um, an independent, not an independent thinker, we're all independent thinkers, but I'm independent in my thought. This is an unbearable problem. No matter who was in charge, they would be struggling. I mean, granted, Absolutely. we can say what we want about who's in charge right now, but it doesn't matter who you are, yeah. what you're doing. It's unprecedented times. I would not want to be them by any means. And they're, I think for the most part, everyone is just doing the best they freaking can with the amount of information that they have. And it's some of it's comical. And some of it's really painful. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, anyway, sorry. I just no, but I think you're right. And I think that what the lesson we need to understand from this is that the reason that the flatten the curve worked is because we have incredible power. The fact that you can get 300 million or at least close to 300 million people to stay home and it can have a direct impact on the number of lives lost and people mourned and deaths in this country is proof positive that we have an impact by just doing what we need to do individually. And when you scale that up to 300 million people, it has great impact on the world. So imagine what, what we could do if we stop subscribing to this and resubscribe to that. If we recycled more, I know it's an old notion from the 1990s that we're still talking about. If, I mean, all of these things have great power. And the, the absolute lesson I have taken away from this moment is never again will I doubt my own power in this process. Never again will I doubt consumer power, voter power, any of it because it all scales up really, really quickly. I mean, look at New York City. I know that people are doing it all over the country now, but at seven o'clock, this city erupts into clapping and cheering and hooping and hollering and cars and sirens, and it's the most inspiring, incredible thing you'll ever hear. But it started with a smaller group. It didn't just start with one person. It started with a group that published it in, you know, online and in the paper, let's do this. And it grew and it grew and it grew. If I stood outside my house and clapped by myself, very few people would hear it. But because a city of eight to 10 million does it every night, you hear it. And that's exactly the same thing as our checking accounts and our votes and our minutes on our calendar. If I do it and that spreads to you and that spreads to you and then suddenly our families are doing it. I mean, you can call it cost savings, you can call it love, you can call it light, you can call it whatever word you want, that has great power across this country. And we have to start to realize how much power we actually do have. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think one of the things that we talk about all the time and, and is so cliche, but so true, you know, your vibe really does attract your tribe. And I don't think it is coincidence at all that almost every word out of your mouth is something I either have said in the last week or think on a regular basis. Um, you know, it's so inspiring to hear other people speak my truths and thinking the things that I'm thinking. Um, but one of the things that Tootsie who brought us together always says every single time at the end of every single one of her yoga classes, no matter what time of year it was, was we are each a light just figuring out how to shine it. 
And one of the things that Marissa and I are trying to do in our Lead with Light efforts and our web efforts is to encourage other people to take that light and as dim as it might feel right now and as dark as it is, it is as Maya just looked, like helped us get there, to figure out where are we going to shine that light, on who, with whom, and when. And I think the time is now for all of us. And I think that it's so, so accurate what you're saying, that it starts with each of us, that every single one of us staying home has changed the world and will change the world. And so if we can do the littlest amount with our lights together, it will change. It's something, something will change. Um, And that's what we're trying to empower people to do and inspire people to do, to take their lights to collectively rise and collectively rise and try to figure out ways now that we're all home to, to lead with light together. And the truth of the matter is Jamie, that leading with your light is harder and harder and harder. The more noise you have and the totally more, agree. more darkness you bring on yourself and the more crap you pile on, you know, authenticity, intuition, your light, those are all the same thing, which is you, just the pure version. Who you are. What is the purest version? And it's really hard to be the purest version of you when you run around crazy, when you never have lunch, when you're overspending, when you're under, you know, self-caring, when you're, I mean, it's insane what we do to ourselves. I've been on a plane every weekend for the last few months of my life. I'm not doing it again. So, you know, to your point, Marissa, earlier of like, the Marissa that comes out of this is just not going to do those things. I'm with you. I'm not doing it again. I am going to do my best work. And I know all of you on this call will help me to do that because we all are cut from the same cloth or a part of the same web, if you will. But I am going to do my best work that when I come out of this, the only version of me that you are going to see is the one I've kept quiet since I'm 15. Absolutely. And you have Julia who is a a creating film about reconnecting. We were all doing this before and are still reeling from present. So Mm -hmm. the fact that all of us were doing all of these things that we're being asked to do prior intuitively and now have been reeling and regrouping and even taking it deeper for all of us. I didn't know I wasn't being my authentic self. I knew a little bit. There was a piece that Julio and Jamie knew about that I was not being that authentic about. But they're, 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 for, for the most part, I thought I was leading with light. But was I? I don't think I was. Mm-hmm. Now I am. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and I think for all of us that were trying, we were trying. Now we're actually going to. And I think that was the call to action of the universe because I have to believe that this was the universe. And as Ralph was saying before, your spiritual calling, there was something larger than all of us that needed all of us to stop, literally stop. We got grounded, Mm -hmm. sent to our rooms and told how to come back out, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was beautiful to share this afternoon with you. So I'm unsubscribing to resubscribe. And by the way, my first subscribe is to the next medium release on hopefully Can't Friday. Wait. Can't wait. Coming out Friday. It's going to be called uh, prepare for the ultimate gaslighting part two. Oh, there's a good, a good one for me to remember. 